It's the Hole in My Heart podcast. Hello and welcome. Come on in. This is episode 35 and it's how we heal part two. Part tweezy. <laughs> do people still say that? Sure. Part do. Heezy. Part do. Yeah. Yes, we have French. He's fine. Yeah. Um, so the cool one who just said tweezy is me, Lori Krieg, <laughs> and I'm here with my husband, Matt Krieg. And do you say hi? I feel like sometimes if you say hi, do you want to say hi? Howdy. Identify yourself, Matt yes. Krieg. How do you identify? <laughs> Sorry. Too, too oh, soon, boy. too quick. Uh, we're and, not in Goofball Island. <laughs> I know. We're Heart of the Matter. It would be the same I mean, place. It could be, yeah, it could be all over. <laughs> sure. Anyway. We're doing a great start. Uh, and producer Steve. <laughs> yes, hello. And not Dr. Preston Sprinkle. Uh, wah, wah. Um, Sorry, y'all. So this was going to be called Gender and Jesus, and we were going to get into the whole gender conversation with Preston. Alas, we had a scheduling conflict with us on the podcast yeah. side, not with Preston. He was all rip-roaring, ready to go. <laughs> but we uh, weren't able to do it, so we're trusting that this is God's design. And we're um, actually at the end of recording last week's uh, How We Heal part now I'm trying to make just it cool. Part two. Part one. Part, part uno. Uno. Oh, oh. Part uno. But I was yeah, trying to say it in a cool way, of... like oh. tweezy. <laughs> Still not cool, no? <laughs> not cool? Okay. So uh, the first part, uh, I, at the end, we're like, oh man, we didn't talk about what we want to talk about. Namely, the word that I'm going to introduce to you all, and Matt's already sitting back and rolling his eyes, is called soulgasm. I said it out loud and it got recorded <laughs> and I introduced it at that uh, women's conference I talked about last week and we're going to introduce it to the podcast world. Possibly we'll hashtag it. Although I was praying with someone today and I almost prayed, God, help her to have <laughs> soulgasm with oh, you. I couldn't goodness. say it. I couldn't pray it. Okay. So before <laughs> you call me a heretic, uh, just please listen until we can explain what it is and then you can call me a heretic. That's fine. I find it very interesting that how quiet the dudes got when you said, when you said it just now. It's so funny because I used to be so awkward about talking about sex like oh, a few weeks ago. <laughs> and then I really started just like getting into the theology of it. And I'm like, okay, it's mm -hmm. a metaphor. And mm -hmm. now y'all are awkward. I'm going to be regular. And you guys are going to be awkward. <clears throat> okay. She took her probiotics today. <laughs> oh, there it is. We're just getting it all out in many, many ways today. Wow. All right. Okay. Question of the week from last week was, what questions do you have for Preston? Preston's oh. not here, so we're not going to attempt those questions. However, we are going to talk about what Matt and I uh, discussed in depth last night on our date. Here's the question. Who would win in a fight? Eleven from Stranger Things or Hermione Granger from Harry Potter? Go. Whoa. I mean, it's it's really two different forms of of combat. I mean, if oh, you yeah. if you take the wand away from Hermione, she's going to be at a major disadvantage. But we there there's nothing to take away from eleven. That's that's true. You make and a good so, point. Now, but if this is a combat just for the combat's sake, like a duel, yes. you know, like mm -hmm. the dueling club, yes, it would be. Then I think I'd give it to Hermione because. Right. Eleven, her powers come from like a deep emotional, you know, trauma or something. Yeah. So it would have to be like she would have to have a reason to, to murder Hermione. Like, exactly. Yes. Like Hermione was caught flirting with Mike. Which Hermione, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean. <laughs> it's a little older, I guess. Yeah. But Yes. Yeah, so if there was something other than just, you know, dueling club, then I might give it to Eleven, but 
Yeah, because yeah. Hermione, we were trying to get into this. She knows so many things. Like she could just pick up Eleven, I think, and like turn her into a weasel. And then mm. the weasel probably couldn't do the bleedy nose, ear, face thing with the hands because it just have little mitten weasel <laughs> hands. <laughs> It'd be really awesome. <laughs> weasel hands. <laughs> to see that. Wow, we are weird. That yes. really would be amazing to see. Wouldn't it be amazing to see a weasel <laughs> Eleven? Anyone want to Photoshop that? <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay now oh let's do one more question of the week because this has also been discussed in most conversations we've had and listen listeners we have not even entered goofball island yet uh we're still in question of the week if you had to appear in one episode from either the office or parks and rec which one would you want to be in wow there's a lot of episodes to choose from or should yeah. we fight about which is the best character and which is the better, like watching? No, I I like your I like okay. your first your original okay, we'll question, okay. and okay. Um, this is my really my my only criteria, my only reasoning is I would rather go to Scranton than Pawnee, where you lived, where I grew up in Scranton, so I could see some of my old stomping oh, grounds. Wow, and That's also true. stop by you know the office, <gasps> the office, office, and your worlds would just be combined. Yeah. Okay, so, but there is there an episode, a specific episode yeah. you would be like, yeah. oh. Which episode? I mean, the one where like Jim threw Andy's phone up into the ceiling and then one. he punches through the wall. Hardcore parkour. Yeah. The one where the bat was loose in the office. I mean, there's, there's, there's a bunch of different ones. Okay. Hardcore parkour. I'm not going to lie. I have a running group Saturday mornings and pretty much every Saturday morning, including when it's icy and we totally biff it, we pretend we know how to parkour. And so all we do is like just jump <laughs> like a half a foot, maybe three inches and yeah. like touch things. We say, and we yell parkour, <laughs> parkour. We do it for probably longer than is funny, but we still do it. Just thought I'd throw that in there. I don't know where you go running, but I'm just imagining <laughs> driving down the road one morning and seeing oh, yeah. that we're, happen. We're very serious. And there's like six of us all just yelling parkour and just jumping wow. around. Wow. Mm -hmm. That'd be quite something. As adults. Mm -hmm. So, no episode? I don't know. I mean, there's the one where they go to the mall and I don't think it's the same mall that was there when I was a kid. I mean, I lived there a long time ago. Yeah. But if it was, then th that would even more be like, whoa. Yeah. That's where the Spencer Gifts was. And <laughs> that's where the, the Sam Goody or whatever the, you know, the music store yeah. was. Those are the only places that I would go. The Spencer, <laughs> I wasn't really allowed to. I would sneak into. Oh, yeah. yeah. Satan store. Obviously. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead, Matt. I would, I would probably, and this is probably just because we've been watching Parks and Rec. Mm -hmm. um, I would probably go to Pawnee. And I would I would have to do like the the traveling bachelor party. Oh, that one would be fun. That, yes. Where they all like Tom and and Ron Swanson and all the all the guys like had their their own version of a bachelor party and they were oh. all like super <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. Like they go to the one bar where it's like all the drinks are like spritzers of like aerosol <laughs> or like flashes of light and all this kind of stuff. And, yeah. I mean, it'd just be so ridiculous, but that would probably be the one I would, I would have to, to be a part of. I want to be on all the parks and rec episodes. That's, I just love the environment there because it just seems hilarious and all mm -hmm. the characters are hilarious. But I think the one when they go camping 
and he's and um ron is hungry and he smells the bacon out of Leslie's purse. And she's like, I packed you some bacon for trail snacks. And he's like, I already smelled it and I already ate it. Now I hate everything. And it runs <laughs> away. So I think that'd be funny. Okay. Believe it or not, we're not on Goofball Island. We still have to travel there. And we're going to take the dial-up sound from the internet. Remember back in the 90s? Oh, yeah, the modem. Okay, we're playing Would You Rather again. All Would right. you rather spend the rest of your life using dial-up internet or not be allowed to text? You can only call people or email them. So dial-up internet or not be allowed to text ever. You have to call or email. I would most definitely never text again. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because, Why? I mean, well, because we, we stream videos off of Netflix. Mm-hmm. I watch my hockey highlights on Netflix. And I'll be honest, texting is not all that important to me. There I, it is. I, <laughs> I, I, Steve I, gave him a hearty finger I point. I mean, yes. there's, there's certain things that matter. And, and really anything to do with the phone call, telecommunication use of my phone is really not one of them. Yep. <laughs> and so I have it for, for work and that's what most of my calls are about. But yeah. other than that, mm-hmm. I can enter I can, you know, get everything through email. And texting is not something I need to hold on to. I agree. I would nix the text. Yeah. I have actually liked calling people and get this leaving even voicemails. Yeah. Usually like kind of innocuous, silly voicemails. I'm not going to lie. Like just ridiculous ones to my sister where I'm like, did you know it's cold outside? And I hang up and she's like, you seriously left me a message at work for that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. So that's my new thing. What she doesn't tell you is that message was probably two and a half minutes long. I just keep going with it. I just like to use voices for a long time. Yes. It makes me happy. Yes. My life is very serious. Yep. Uh, I am right there in sync yeah. with you guys. I I feel like so much gets lost in translation with texting. Totally. I'm not real good at it. Uh, my wife loves it. Oh, she yeah. loves texting. She's, she might go for the dial-up speed if she meant she could keep the texting. Wow. Yeah. Is it because she likes emojis and gifs yes. slash gifs, whatever you say? Yes. Okay. You know what? G- I, keep, I know. I keep hearing and learning what that's supposed to be and then immediately forgetting. Oh, yeah. I, like there was a young person who knows, yeah. you know? Like, it's GIF. You can it watch. Is? It's GIF. Yeah. Technically, okay. like how the I comes after the G. It's like Sorry. giraffe. Right. Gigantic. So you can watch YouTube videos explaining it and you're getting, they're like very fiery people explaining why really? you should call it GIF. And then you're like just kind of laughing. It just makes so me fiery. think of the peanut butter. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally. Right the, right. the sound, I'm thinking it's peanut butter, but you know, if you say GIF, I'm thinking the little funny images. I yeah. know it's GIF. I will not say it. I'm going to really? say GIF. You're going to say GIF. Okay. <laughs> well, I feel like it originally was, you know, it stood for graphic something right. file. Yeah. And so I'm like, graphic, that's guh. So yeah. I'm calling it GIF. GIF. I know. And he, the guy on the raging YouTube video talks about Does that. Does he oh, really? He's like, I know it. And you're like, okay, you're real fiery. Okay. Okay. So anyway. speaking of fiery, our la- next question, we'll make this our last one so we oh can boy. do serious stuff too, <laughs> which is either when people turn us on, is that the serious or they turn us off? So whatever, either you're fast forwarding so through all this. We've got one audience for the first half <laughs> yeah. of the thing and then a totally different audience for the last half. I don't know. I hope you, I think y'all are our yeah. people and you like both. Okay. <laughs> so would you rather have terrible body odor 
terrible dandruff or terrible flatulence for life. <laughs> Matt came up with all these BT dubs. We nice. spent a good chunk of Sunday thinking about <laughs> some. Wow. Hard, right? Yeah. Okay, I've thought about it a bit. Yeah. So I think I would do terrible dandruff because you cannot escape terrible body odor and or flatulence. So if you're just constantly tooting, you're like, ain't no like making that up. Also, I have a little dandruff. Also, oh wait, let's cut that out. No, it's not. I don't care. Um, but you can kind of hide it. I don't know. I just feel like you could probably hide it, except if it's so bad, like every time you whip your hair back and forth. It's it, like a like snow flies. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. would be a little terrible, but I mean, you well, cannot escape say, smell. It right. does say terrible dandruff. <laughs> sure, I, guess yeah. I mean, it says terrible for all of them. There's, so there's no, mm. there's no moderate. It's, okay, well, it's all severe. <laughs> so what would you pick? Flatulence. <laughs> Sorry, I just like say flatulence. <laughs> it's a good word. Oh man, that's rough. Cause in a counseling session, like you yeah. can't just cut loose. No. You know, I would I would probably have you ever have you ever? Have I ever just cut loose? No. <laughs> no. No, you gotta hold it in until I they're gone. Imagine and waiting like, until the client leaves. Oh boy. You know? But then oh I forgot my keys. They come back in. Uh, like, that would uh... be a disaster. <laughs> that would be a disaster. Right? Okay. Yeah. Or you shut the door behind you, yeah. And you go get them, lock it. And you come in, and you're like, "Whoa!" Yeah. <laughs> they really need to add that sliding door back to my office. Uh-huh. But no, um, I would, I would probably go with the body odor because you can really? just, you can carry like deodorant with you and just surreptitiously put oh, it on 84 see, times a day. In my head, I just thought any no deodorant would touch the terrible. See, it's the definition of terrible again. Mm-hmm. We didn't define it. Yeah. I mean, I had a question. <laughs> I had a clarifying question about yes, the flatulence. Yes, please do. Um, is it something like just normal flatulence where, you know, you can hold it? <laughs> like you've got certain muscles that are made to keep it in. I am 12 years old. <laughs> so then, you so know. You're, it's a question of frequency here. Well, yeah. Like, and, and so the does, ability to. Again, again, terrible. Does terrible denote I, or connote i don't know the difference between those uh that it's just like you can't it's uncontrollable i I was picturing nearly constant (laughs) (laughs) okay i i think i had already decided on this for similar reasons but the the dandruff because you could wear yeah you could just always wear like a white shirt yeah don't do the the Head and shoulders Don't commercials from the early 90s. Clothing, Don't you know? do that. Right. Where they like zoom in and do the circle. Right. Look at this loser right. Right. with his dandruff on <laughs> his black this shirt. Yeah, look at this now, shoulder. Now, but again, I like sort of imagining how we're meaning terrible mm-hmm. because yes. maybe terrible means giant like cornflake size. <laughs> oh, wow. You know? And every like time flakes. you like yes. talk, it's like we're <laughs> <laughs> Just well, blomps on another person. That would be quite terrible. See, that would be terrible. It would be. And constant mm-hmm. toots. Also terrible. Yes. Okay. So wow. if anyone is still listening, hello. We're here still. Yes. We're going to ride that dial-up internet. I don't know how we... I'm picturing Magic School Bus on that, by right. the way. That wasn't clear, but it was kind of like riding sure. the Magic School Bus through the fiber optic cables or something. Sure. Okay. So we're back from Goofball Island <laughs> to the heart of the matter, and we're talking about healing. Which, if we had terrible dandruff or all the other things, we'd right. probably need healing too. Uh, 
First of all, I want to reiterate from last week that we do have the best listeners. And I do think most of you listened to all of it. And thank you. We're sorry for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Apologize. Uh, We thank you for listening. And also, like, honest thanks for just your support again. Every time, I'm sure you guys experience this as vulnerability semi hangover like ah was that good was that not good and so it was really nice to hear from you all um i was asked by some people like what kind of feedback did you hear and it just was great to hear like people were exhorted i want to talk though a little bit about vulnerability in general before we talk about some of the <laughs> soulgasm word okay <laughs> again shockingly quiet every time i say it um, but when I tweeted out this podcast, I said, we're all called to re-image the spiritual, emotional, physical, near-naked vulnerability Jesus displayed on the cross. Not all of us are called to do that on a podcast, but Matt and I are. And this is that. This was the podcast. And so, I don't know. I guess I, I was asked by um, our mentor, actually, like, I guess, like, what is the appropriate levels of vulnerability? Like, how do you know when it's like, okay, we're, it's ready. We're, we need to share this. Do you have any thoughts on that? as far as when like when it's appropriate to share yeah and here was his thought he said if your inner circle would be surprised by what you share publicly that's probably too soon and so again not everyone needs to like do this on a podcast or from a stage but i i really liked that feedback that and he was like so did did people and he again is our mentor dave Beelan, he's our board director and he was like, did, did your inner circle, were they surprised by this, like by hearing this? And I was like, no, like everyone mm-hmm. knew before and Matt and I had been yeah. talking about it, but it was sooner than like, it wasn't a year ago or a year and a half ago. And I don't know, I guess maybe it's like how soon is too soon or. Um, yeah. Well, and I think the, the thing behind that is, I mean, if you're, if your inner circle knows whatever you're going to say, you know, then, then it's something that's obviously been processed through at least in part, it, it could be still ongoing but it's, it's not just like this stream of consciousness. Like I'm just going to be an open book to everyone. Yeah. Um, Almost in hopes that everyone is a part of your healing journey. Cause Facebook, your thousand friends could be a help, but it's like the more distance they have from you. Well, and, and really let's face it, Facebook, no one cares. I mean, there, there's, there's your 15, 20 people who you probably actually run into who are actually like caring and other people who are like, Oh, hey, that's sad. Whatever they might send a little platitude, but most of those thousand people are are not actually going to be a part of your life where they're going to do any significant journeying with you. Okay, but I don't. I disagree with that. People don't really care because listeners of this podcast who I've never met face to face, genuinely, like they're they're traveling with us and they do. They, they care. And like, if I would hear their story and people email me or reach out, like I genuinely do care, but I, I do agree with that piece of like, they might not be a side by side piece of your, your journey. Uh, but I don't know, like, that's just different. Like how, how do we exhort and be vulnerable, like from a platform to an audience and vice versa? Like, I don't know. There's just that weird dichotomy of like how we were so vulnerable here to hundreds or thousands of people. I don't know. And and I'm, I don't know, I'm just wrestling with that. Like at what level is that good? And what level is that, is that helpful or not? Because ultimately, if, if this were left to just us, mm-hmm. if we were not called to, to do this ministry and to, to work on this topic, would we share anything? And I mean, the answer is unequivocally no. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're pretty, I don't want to say private people, but like we're we're not like the type. Neither of us are the type to just yeah. broadcast on Facebook or yep. you know our stuff. Yeah. Um. 
and and so I think there 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 are people who are a little more prone to do that. And so I guess the question that I would have to ask is, well, in your sharing, is it just in the hopes that someone will give you something? Mm-hmm. Is it just in the hopes that maybe this this mass of people, whoever you're broadcasting to, is going to give you a pat on the back or say, oh, poor you, or, or come alongside? That's and, good. You know, because at that point, the sharing is entirely about you. Yep. Whereas I, I feel like at least what we try and do is when we're when we're sharing, when we're open, we're trying to say, God, okay, is this something that needs to be shared? Is this something that could help someone else? Yeah, that's a good point. It's a difference. It's where your focus is. Because even in sharing last week, like we didn't cut open. It was still our in-process selves, but it wasn't our like, we're bleeding out right now and we need you to call 911 audience. It was more like this is, we're still in process. We, we have support systems around us and, and y'all are a piece of that. Like mm-hmm. we, it, it's, there's some healing that happens in that vulnerability, but it wasn't so that everyone would feel sad for us. It was because we really want to build up the church, yeah. which goes back to that. Are you called? Which is that tweet that well, I put out. Not everyone's yeah. called to do it from well, a stage. And, and one of the things that the church probably almost universally needs to get better at is being able to share things in the current Yes. State. We say this you know, a lot. Like not, not, don't give your like three-year-old testimony. Yeah. You know, God's got a testimony going right now. Your testimony is ongoing. And, and there is a sense that, okay, sharing the process can be very, very cathartic mm-hmm. for, for other people to hear like, oh man, yeah, I'm not the only one going through like mm-hmm. a ringer right now, you know? And, and so even and and I mean honestly, last week when we were talking, that's what I was thinking. Was what? Like as as like the why we're sharing is okay, yeah. Vulnerability and calling for that and but then also just like the this is an ongoing. This is not like, hey, we had our thing three years ago where I yeah. came, you know, clean with my porn thing and then we learned a bunch of stuff and now we're all happy. Mm-hmm. Like the process yeah. is actually really important for people yeah. to to be okay with. Okay, if you're a leader, because we'll get asked this too, I'm a pastor, that's good for you guys, but I'm a pastor, I'm a leader, I'm in this position, I can't be that vulnerable. Is that true? I think yes and no. How so? I mean, you you can be that vulnerable in your inner circle. Yeah. Always. If you don't have an inner circle where you can be vulnerable, then you're going to be really lonely. Yeah. Um, you know, do you share it from the from the pulpit every week? Not necessarily. I think it depends on the the environment of each church. But if the pastor can set a tone of it's okay to be in process with whatever, yeah, and then the congregation kind of latches onto that, and you have this environment where where vulnerability and openness and honesty within mm-hmm. the process is is okay, then yeah. I think it would be okay for the pastor to to even share some some stuff from the stage. And and actually it might be necessary mm-hmm. to be know, able to, to go to, first. To be able to, mm-hmm. to, to yeah. go that route. Yeah. I I learn the most when people I respect are like, I am really wrestling with this or I'm struggling with this. And it may not even be super specific mm-hmm. like how we were, uh, but I'm just like props to you. Like the people I respect the most are those who are suffering well, mm. are like, I'm I'm really going through it. And it's like fire. And I still love Jesus. And you like you see the tears on their face. And you can see like the battle scars and you're like, right on. Yeah. From a pastoral perspective, 
I, I would just think the same kind of concept as far as like, is your inner circle going to be surprised? You know, if a pastor is sharing something in front of the, you know, on oh, the that's pulpit, good. it would probably be good to have gone to the elder board and the deacon board or whatever or church, he, yeah. church leadership mm-hmm. structure, as well as his own personal, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. group. Yeah. So that none of them are surprised because if he says something and yeah. the church elder board and the deacon board and all the leadership is like, Hey, we have your back. Yeah. It's okay for you to share this and whatever heat might come out of mm-hmm. it, we are going to stand with you on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's a really important process because if he goes up there and his elder board is just like, wait, what? Like we didn't know anything about this. And, and you know, then there's, yeah. there's no covering, there's no that might be the the wrong process to do that but it's it's kind of that same yeah. concept like it should yeah. the people that really are the ones who are going to walk through this with you should be the first to know well and you just think like that question i posed to you do they need to be this vulnerable pastors and you think about what's going on with like pastors right now mm. who are going through it and i just think yeah if you were wrestling with whatever and i'm not going to point fingers and pick sides i'm just saying the reason pastors can fall for whatever reason is because I think we expect them to be infallible Jesus, a like not broken person. And, and that's just not accurate. And, and so I, I think you, you have to have those safe places. Again, it may not be from the platform, but cultivating a platform and a, a culture of, yeah. of um, authenticity is just, that's just, that's critical. I just think about how the disciples with Jesus, like Peter just ran his, mouth but like that just has like jesus the, the environment even though he was actual jesus he was perfect like he must have created such a a comfortable welcoming invitational environment for them to ask the stupidest questions like who's gonna be sitting at your right hand and he like literally is like watching moses come down he's like ah oh, let's build a, build a tabernacle but like jesus is like i love you and your dorky cute little peter self <laughs> other Which, than the whole one you know get behind me satan oh yeah other I than, mean, there, there I mean, is some harshness I mean, at times but <laughs> But like it, he, he, he could, they felt freedom to be real with Jesus oh, yeah. and, and we should feel that same. Mm-hmm. So shifting from this authenticity question, which I think is critical, I just want to spend a little time on, on this healing uh, that we didn't get to talk about last week, which I think was a, a big piece for me was this idea of soulgasm. But before we go there, uh, I just really keep, just keep sorry, teasing it. I just, the more I say it, it, the less scared I am. Okay. Sorry. I'll explain it. So a soulgasm is a deep soul connection between our spirits and God who is spirit. It's a glimmer of what I believe we will experience forever in heaven, this one day oneness. And so it's like those moments you can have this like on your own with God when you're reading the Bible and like verses stand out to you as like radioactive and you're like, (gasps) all those core needs inside just feel met for like a fraction of a second. Or when you're with like on a mission trip and you're like with a team or with your spouse, like serving and you're like, you just feel this spiritual connection. Oh, that's soulgasm. Or with the church, when you're all like worshiping and you're like high five. I, I just think it's such a, a it's that, that's what I call soulgasm. I think it's such a perfect metaphor because if marriage is this metaphor of this oneness, this one day oneness, Christ and the church in heaven, that, that oneness that we're going to have is like this spiritual connection. And so I think that there's like our, the spiritual moments that we have of connection on earth are like, um, I, I think are, are glimmers of what we'll experience in heaven, which is always that, that C.S. Lewis quote, Matt, that you like to say about how that boy, when C.S. Lewis talks about a 12-year-old boy with chocolate, I've said this a few times, I'll say it again if you haven't listened to the podcast, and he's like, um, 
this boy is getting explained about sex for the first time and he's 12 and the greatest great that he knows is chocolate. And so when he learns about sex, he's like, well, is there chocolate with sex? And then the adult is like, well, no, not exactly. And then Lewis says, the boy knows chocolate. He does not know the positive thing that excludes it. We are in the same position. We know the sexual life. We do not know except in glimpses what I saw called call soulgasm, <laughs> the other thing which in heaven will leave no room for it. Hence, where fullness awaits, we anticipate fasting. So I don't, I also think there's this other aspect of like physical release or orgasm. Sorry, guys, I just said it. <laughs> or emotional connection. Okay, so Matt, can you explain how, because this really came to my mind when you were like, Lori, we both have strengths in our marriage. And this is like when I was really wrestling with like the physical connection between us. And I was like, I don't get it. I don't know why God made us sexual beings. I don't understand. And you really helped me understand the difference between like how I have emotional strength and you have physical strength and how we need to cultivate mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So, I mean, in just in looking stereotypically at, at relationships and you know, in marriages, typically the, the man is, is going to have a physical, um, f greater physical strength. And so the ability to physically impose his kind of will on, on the, on his partner. And so because of that, men have to be very, very gentle, very, very loving, very caring in how they interact with their spouses physically. Now, women also have to be loving and gentle and careful yeah. with how they interact physically. Like we all have to do that. But because men have the greater, and I'm again speaking stereotypically, the greater physical strength, yeah. we have to steward it well. Mm. You know, and I and I think just and this is just from this is not like peer reviewed research articles, but I generally when it comes to couples, the the female has greater emotional and relational strength. They're usually more connected to their support structure. They're usually um, more quickly able to identify emotion and deal with it. That doesn't mean it's always in a healthy way, but typically they have an emotional, a greater emotional strength than the men in the relationship. And what that can often turn into is a lot of, you know, emotional manipulation, you know, and, and kind of emotionally dominating, mm. you know, to, to try and use their emotion to either make their husband feel a certain way and then do what they want. You know, and, and I've seen a lot of guys that have come into my office pretty emotionally eviscerated, mm. you know, by their spouses. And it's, it's unfortunate because that's not something that's often really thought about, even though, okay, so the spouse, the woman has a greater emotional strength. And so it, it mirrors the physical strength that the man has. So they, they have to be very good stewards of it to make sure that they're using that strength in order to build up and encourage as opposed to tear down. Yep. And I, I so loved that because I was like, I, I just remember there was a time when we were out standing in the kitchen. I feel like we have so many conversations in the kitchen, but I was like, I, I was like, you don't get to demand, um, anything like you don't get to demand physically from me and you're like no I don't and, and you haven't and you don't and you're like but likewise you don't get to demand an emotional connection with me and so like when you get home from counseling and you're exhausted it's actually been really good for me to keep in mind like I don't get to force Matt to go to this place I won't say it again but of emotional intimacy with me nor does he get to demand this place of physical intimacy with me but when we both steward that well mm -hmm. that's like this this connection between us and then 
And if we're both running toward this spiritual intimacy, it's like this really neat connection. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things, I mean, just speaking of our relationship, one of the metaphors that we've used is, or that I've used is it's like, I live my life with a snorkel emotionally. (laughs) Like I can, you know, I kind of hover on the surface most of the time, but then I can kind of dive deep down, but then I got to come up for air. Lori's got like an emotional scuba suit <laughs> so she can like just live at the depths mm. yeah. and, and spend a lot of time there. But there is this, like if Lori's like emotionally trying to pull me down when I'm like, I need a breath. Like that's, that's kind of what we're talking about because I, I think yeah. it's right to expect that there's going to be a level of, of physical intimacy within a marriage and a level of emotional intimacy. Yeah. E- even though you cannot demand it in, exactly the way you want it yeah or the frequency or the depth or whatever that you want it yep okay here's a question i have and this may be where we land but i i had a really good question asked of me uh somebody tweeted at me a question like what's the difference of emotional physical spiritual connection between friendship and marriage like if we're both supposed to steward our emotional intimacy and our physical intimacy to like draw one another out so that we are looking like doing the gospel metaphor in this submitting to one another, as it says in Ephesians five, and we're running toward the common mission to have this spiritual connection. So I think this deep spiritual connection is really like that could probably be had with anyone or could it not? Is there like a you can go to level 10 with your spouse and like level five with friends or like, I don't know if I have an answer to this. I really mm-hmm. am just wondering, which maybe we'll just have to discover together as we invite well, people smarter than us on I this mean, podcast. I mean, I think it's, it's kind of just a natural thing that if you go really deep in one area, emotionally, spiritually, physically, it has the tendency to, to draw the other areas like that we experience life, yeah. so physical, emotional, spiritual, intellectual, social, you know, it tends to kind of balance out. So if you spend a lot of time being very emotionally intimate with someone, yeah, there, there's a, even, you know, especially before marriage, like there's, there is this tendency that the, the physical intimacy is going to kind of follow suit, not yeah. necessarily meaning you're, you're having sex, but there's usually a greater physical intimacy paired with an emotional intimacy. Totally. And I remember one of the lines that my youth ministry professor oh, no, I know from back coming. in the day, you know, those who pray together, lay together, lay together <laughs> because the, fostering this extreme emotional and spiritual intimacy when you're praying together as a couple kind of opens the door that, or, or makes it more alluring sometimes that that you have a, a physical intimacy with, you know, within a dating relationship. Okay, this is super interesting because then I'm like, well, maybe the goal should be you shouldn't outpace your spouse relationship because friendship is not a covenantal uh, reflection of Christ mm. in the church. Marriage is like this this reflection of Christ in the church, and and so if maybe the spiritual, emotional physical should not outpace the connection that you have with your spouse. Otherwise you may be in a more precarious situation, especially if you're talking with someone or connecting with someone that you're attracted to. I think that would be especially heightened the, that could be 
just generally like a tougher place. Again, mm-hmm. is that a never place? I don't I don't know. I'm not speaking for God right here, but I'm just wrestling with this right now. Like I just wonder if the spousal intimacy depth should be uh deeper or than than I, that of your I, I think for for marriage for married people it probably should be, but I don't think I mean you look at well I guess David was married, but yeah. when you look at the story of David and Jonathan, mm-hmm. you know, he, it says that they had a, like a love that yeah. was, that was deeper than, than mm-hmm. his, you know, his wife. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I don't know that, I, I feel like if you're saying like, okay, because marriage is a covenant metaphor mm-hmm. for Christ in the church, it's almost like you're putting it above what a single person could experience. Yeah. So now I'm wrestling with my and own so, thoughts. And so, and and that's like the, the mantra that we've kind of been saying, like, wait, what about single people? Yeah. You know? And, and so I think as a married person, when you covenant with another person, you, you have to keep, well, I mean, you're in covenant with that, yeah. that singular individual. Whereas if you're not married, I don't know. I mean, obviously God has put limits on the, the realm, the physical realm, like mm-hmm. the right. sexuality piece, but I don't know that there's really a limit on, you know, if you have a, a roommate, mm-hmm. you know, or a housemate or a community that you're like, do, they have these singles communities that are actually really cool in certain places mm-hmm. where it's like everyone covenants, like we are going to stay in this area. Yeah. We're not moving across the country. Mm-hmm. We're not going to, this is not a transitional housing arrangement for us. Like we are covenanting to be a part of this community, almost like a, a monastery or, mm-hmm. you know, type of thing. And, and I can imagine there's incredible emotional and spiritual depth that, that they experience mm-hmm. because of the, well, the covenant of that relationship. What do you think of this? I'm, I'm just listening and I'm kind of thinking about my marriage and my relationships, mm-hmm. you know, outside of my marriage. And so the thing that strikes me is marriage is exclusive. Mm-hmm. Like for some reason, that's the word that's coming yeah. to my mind. Yep. Um, and so some of the like emotional and spiritual ways that I would find myself in closer or closer to intimate, uh, mm-hmm. you know, place apart from my wife, I would think a group, I would think more of, yep. you know, That's where I was like, like a group mm-hmm. setting where it isn't just this exclusive yeah. one-on-one. Yes. And I mean, maybe the other thought I have is maybe the way we're thinking of this is that the way in which the marriage covenant is limited where you have more freedom as a single person yeah. versus, you know, the marriage is something, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? You have to like, work at and keep pursuing right. that. And I'm limited, yep. I, you know, yeah. in how I can express that and yeah. experience that intimacy. And friendships. Right, right. Huh. That's, another, that's another thought, because are we limited? But I do think that there is something really important, because I, I see people fall when they get and in friendships outside of their marriage mm-hmm. or if they're single people, when they put a hundred percent emotional, spiritual, any of those on one person, right. that's like when codependency comes up. That's mm-hmm. when we're like, you are my life and and no marriage. You're not supposed to be my life. It's this shoulder to shoulder looking at Jesus mm-hmm. connect two canoes trying to become like one on, on a river, as I've heard before, but in friendship, it, it can't be all 
one. Like it's supposed to be many friendships. So this is, we didn't conclude. I don't feel like we like reached a conclusion. Yeah, I don't know that we're going to reach a conclusion on no, this one. But I did want to emphasize how it was really helpful for me in my own processing of the physical relationship to Matt when it was like, Matt's not the only one with strength or power or leadership in this relationship. Like I have it. And as he stewards his gifting, his leader, his mm-hmm. strength, I want to steward mine. And that's really affected how we do day-to-day married life. Um, as well as, I'm just glad we talked through some of that um, authenticity piece. So, well, and, and sorry, can I add just one one thing? So, if we look at, I mean, from a physical perspective, from a from an emotional perspective, you know, the person in power, it's like First Corinthians, you know, thirteen, the love, yeah. the love. Like, are you treating the other person yeah. lovingly in yep. these areas where you are stronger? Yep. Hmm. You know, because it's it's easy to, you know, to not force someone to do what you want them to do when when they're stronger than you because yeah. you can't anyway but when you have that power are you using it to to cultivate love yep in the relationship and so and i like wrote a little um like table like okay if you are the one with the emotional strength if you're the one with the physical strength i, I might post that um on the show well on our blog show notes just so you guys can look at that because it's just helpful for me to be like okay it's kind of one for one how can i cultivate this and care and love matt so mm-hmm. with that idea that love piece that you just talked about i just went through first corinthians 13 and i was like what's this look like if you have the emotional strength what's love look like if you have the physical strength so oh, perfect we, i'm glad we're on the same page really you didn't see that <laughs> no i didn't i skimmed over that I didn't. that's really great we're on the same page soul connection there you go (laughs) sorry guys (laughs) i just made this whole place so awkward per use per use okay our question of the week for next week which we'd actually love y'all's thoughts if you're like i listened to that and i have some reflections on all this we'd love to hear your thoughts um but our question of the week for next week we have a guest drew boa um he got his master's at wheaton and he wrote a book about sexual discipleship we're going to continue that sort of conversation but specifically for 20 somethings i had this uh a listener wrote this question um about like that lostness as as a 20 something i'm finding a lot of 20 somethings really wanting and craving like mentorship and so we're going to explore that as 20 somethings i think he's got to be 20 something um and then how can we i don't know we want to talk about 20s and mentorship and discipleship so we're going to do that next week so we just would love your thoughts if you are 20 something and how have you felt lost have you desired a mentor and what do you feel like you need in your 20s in this lostness so i'll be a little more clear when i write that that question down all right well for all of us here at the whole in my heart podcast we're so thankful for your listening um and we will see you actually only talk with you and hear you next week Hey, thanks again for listening to today's episode. We hope that it was really a reminder that the gospel really is good news for everybody every day. You know, there's a variety of places where people can listen to this podcast. There's the TuneIn app, uh, there's Google Play, and there's Apple Podcasts, where if you subscribe because you don't want to miss an episode, we hope you'll also leave a review. Uh, That really helps us reach a lot more people. If you're looking for counseling services, uh, you can visit Matt's website, caringwell.org. And of course, you can follow Lori at HIM mhministries.com we'll see you next week